Colossians chapter 15, as we journey through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, Wednesday night in the book of Psalms, Revelation 15 today, then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues. For in them the wrath of God is complete. And I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire. And those who have the victory over the beast, over his image, over his mark, and over the number of his name, standing on the sea, having harps of God. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works. Notice it says, Lord God Almighty, how powerful that is together, his works. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints, who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name. For you alone are holy, and for all the nations shall come and worship before you. For your judgments have been revealed or manifest. And after these things I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was open. And out of the temple came the seven angels, having the seven plagues, clothed in pure bright linen, and having their chests girded with bands of gold. And then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bulls, full of the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. And the temple with was filled with the smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And note with me, and no one was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. Let's pray. Lord, thank you again for our day. And Lord, that your word today would just bless us. How great and wonderful you are. Your works, Lord, and your ways. And that we always have upon our lips thanksgiving for what you have done for us upon the cross, conquering death, but Lord, what you're going to do soon. And so Lord, as we start to see the end of the book of Revelation, we see Lord, that your love and your mercy and your grace is still poured upon this world who is rejecting you. So Lord, thank you for our time now and bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Short little chapter today, but it doesn't mean that it, it, it is lacking in power. Actually, I would say that this chapter is very powerful. From last week, just as a kind of going back, we saw the, at the end of, that, uh, end of the last chapter, the harvest, the reaping of, remember that? Put your sickle in and reap, and that was a foreshadowing of the end that we'll get to. By the way, is anyone else, as you're going through Revelation, you're like, can we just stick with chronological order anyway? That's not how Jews write. They've never written that way. That's not how Jewish literature is. But through Revelation, you just have these pauses. We take this pause and we look at something that'll happen at the end of the tribulation, but we haven't really talked about it. That was the battle of Armageddon. Even next week, when these bowls are poured out, it's still not at that time. But here is a little pause today to describe for us the beginning of getting into those seven vials or seven bowl judgments. And in verse 1 it says, Then I saw another sign in heaven, great 
and marvelous. Seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them the wrath of God is complete. Now, I always like to put ourselves in the place of the Bible and the people writing it and of the time. If you were John and you had this image, what would you write? How would you describe what you are seeing? He says, great and marvelous. I'd be like, dude, my mind's blown. How amazing it is to see the, the throne room of God, the temple of God. And John does his best to describe it for us. And what he says here is, it's great and marvelous, number one. And then there are seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them the wrath of God is complete. Notice that phrase, the wrath of God. We won't spend a whole long time on that. But the word, the Greek word for wrath is thymos. Now, there's, there's two different words for wrath in the Bible that, uh, that is used when it describes what God is doing. It is thymos and orge. <laughs> That's the Greek today. That's it. That was the best joke I had. You're like, is there more? No, that was it. Look, thymos describes a vile, uh, uh, a passionate, violent anger, opposed to orge that is a settled disposition. It is something that, as Jesus was orge when he sat at the temple, right? He sat down and he made a whip. By the way, who doesn't want to see that video of Jesus whipping the religious leaders and turning over the tables? That is orge. But what is interesting to me is that thymos, this hot, burning anger, this wrath of God, and it's kind of hard to think of anger when you're thinking about God, isn't it? Because for thousands of years, God's long-suffering towards man has, has prevailed. And at this point, it is the last time. That's why it says it's complete. And how about you? But I, I don't want to feel the complete thymos of God. I don't want to feel the hot flash anger of God. And remember, church, are we here as the body of Christ? No, we're, we're experiencing the marriage supper of the Lamb, so it's wonderful. We're not experiencing because Jesus took our guilt and shame upon the cross, our sin, and he paid for it. And so we stand before God complete. But those here are going to go through the thymos. Eleven times in the Bible, thymos is used. How many times in Revelation? Ten. Does that tell you what this book is describing? It is describing the end of mankind on this third rock of the sun that we know it. So for thousands upon thousands of years, and, and I really, I don't want to hear, well, God's not loving during that time, and if this was a God, for thousands of years, he is orge, not thymos. Don't I sound kind of like scholarly today? <laughs> It'll pass in a minute. I'll say something that won't. All right. But you look at that and you go, okay, obviously this is the culmination of everything in the universe and God dealing with man. It's rejection of Jesus, rejection of its love. We saw those angels flying around telling people of the wonderful gospel of Jesus. 
Let's, let's go ahead just for a minute into the next chapter. And I want to read to you in verse 9. This is just a little preview of what's coming. It said, And men were scorched with a great heat. But listen, And they blasphemed the name of God who had power over the plagues, and they did not repent or give him glory. Guys, the world is literally ending. Next chapter. And yet, they won't repent of their sin. They won't give God glory, his name. But we know every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Amen? So you do it now, which I'm happy to do, or you do it there in the great white throne. But after you do it, it's exit stage left, the elevator goes down. So in this is the wrath of God, it is complete. The word complete means to reach an end of or its aim. And so now God's full and complete thymos, his wrath is done. Which, think about this, that means that it's done. There's no more of that. And so what will come after that will be different, and we'll see that through the rest of this uh, book of Revelation. So, in verse 2, bless you, I saw something, and when he says like, that means he's having a hard time describing it, right? He said, I, I saw something like the sea of glass mingled with fire. And those who have the victory over the beast, over his image, over his mark, and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having their harps of God. So we have seen this group of people. These are the tribulation saints. This is not the church. This is not us. We are still eating, fellowshipping with Christ. This is a different group of people. And would you note this word? I love you to circle this or highlight it. What do you think the word is? It's victory. You see, through their death, they were victorious over Satan. On this side of tribulation, we are victorious in Christ's death upon the cross. But during that time, they will lay down their life. God will recognize that. And so we see them here in verse 2. Those who have the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark. So we went through the Antichrist, the mark of the beast, all of that in Revelation 13. It also says that they are standing on the sea of glass, having harps of God. All of them are worshiping God, and they've all got an instrument. How cool is that? Now, uh, are we in, like, the next room? We're like, keep it down out there. <laughs> or are we going to be hearing that? Probably we'll be hearing that and giving glory to God as well. It doesn't say that, but uh, I, I pray that that would be it. Verse 3 says, they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God and the Lamb of God, saying, great and marvelous are your works. Notice he's going to make a, a, there's two things that they're going to sing praise to God for. It is works and ways. Works and ways are different. 
The works of what Jesus did for us, what God did for Israel all through their past. Does Israel, listen, does Israel even deserve to be a nation right now? No, that was easy. But it's the grace of God. Look, when they complain before going into the wilderness, oh, the people in Canaan, they're like giants, they'll beat us up, we should go back and be slaves in Egypt. God should have just like, that's it, we're getting a new group. And been justified in doing that. But because he had set this people apart from Abraham, that your seed would bless the world, that Messiah would come out of it, and that what you hold in your hand would bless the world. It is the Holy Bible written by, ready for it, Jews. So you can't be anti-Semitic as a believer. You're not supposed to. And if you want to, go to another church. We're not going to, we fly the Israeli flag out there in the foyer. These are God's people. They gave us this word. Ready for it. Jesus was, right? He was Jewish. He wasn't Greek. He wasn't a German. He wasn't Italian. Now you go to Italy and Jesus always looks like Italian. Why is that? Forget about it. Those Italians. Seriously, I was in Rome. I'm like, wow, Jesus looks Italian a lot in these photos. But then you go to Ireland and Jesus looks very Irish. It's just how it is. What does that have to do with it? Nothing. So listen what they do. They say, great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. So your works, what they praise God for, what he has done for them. Uh, We have been on this theme lately. Have you noticed that? This Thanksgiving theme here at the church. We keep going into Psalms. We're going into topics where this theme of thanking God for who he is and what he has done for us, always remembering what he has done. The problem in the church is we think it's all about us. It has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with God, what he has done. Well, I don't like the color of the wall. Then don't look at the wall. It's about him. It's not about us. It's not about a fancy building. It's not about the the best Worship with fog machines and lights and, and pastors with cool shirts on. <laughs> Has nothing to do with anything like that. But we have created that in the modern day United States church. It is all about these two things in this verse. verse. It's verks. It was German. <laughs> and I am. His works and his ways. When we praise God, are we talking and declaring his works and his ways? Are you actively saying, Lord, thank you again. I was headed to hell on a bullet train. And you took me and you put my feet upon the, uh, upon the rock. Lord, I did this and I did this in my life and that. And I was a dirty, rotten sinner. Thank you, Lord. Remember, we get saved and then somehow we kind of get a little pious. Well, I'm not really doing as bad as that person. No, we are really doing as bad as that person. We just know how to hide it in religiosity and religious talk. Bless you, brother. Be warm and filled. Praise the Lord. 
And then what do you do during the week? His works. Let's talk about his ways. He said, just and true. Our Father in heaven is just and true. And when we are there, we will say, just and true are your ways, O Lord. Yes and amen. Nothing that we see God doing is ever wrong. Everybody got that? And if we think God is doing something wrong, are you ready for it? It's us in our twisted way of thinking. It has nothing to do with his ways. It's our ways that are wrong. So let's turn to Isaiah chapter 55. We're going to pick it up in verse 6. Get a running start. <laughs> I told Micah this would be a short message. We're in Isaiah, so we could camp here for weeks. Isaiah 55, 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. What a better verse than where we are in the tribulation period. Call on the name of the Lord now. Today is the day of salvation now, not then. Guys, it's easy to be a believer now in the United States of America. Maybe it'll get a little tough. We'll see. But seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their way and the righteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Amen. Just come back to the Lord. Did you used to go to church? And let me speak to our radio listeners. You used to go to church? Your family took you? And now you're in the world? Come back to the Lord. Well, he doesn't know what I... Yes, he knows what you've done. And he paid... All of that upon the cross. Well, I haven't been in church for a while. I was injured by the church or the last pastor or whatever situation it was. I didn't like that color paint. Come back to the Lord. Why do we blame things on God for humanity's failures? He said, let the wicked forsake his ways. Verse 8 says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. God doesn't think the way that we do. We get into a lot of trouble when we expect that he should think as we do. Have you ever told God, God, you're not thinking like I am. Come on board with the way I, I've got it all laid out. I've got this great plan. And he goes, what are you doing? Your ways are not my ways. In fact, I'm going to take you on this path that you would think is crazy. But when you're done on that path, you're going to turn around and say, great and marvelous are your works, O Lord. Think about the crisis that you've gone through lately. Would any one of you honestly sitting here say, yeah, I'll do that again? No. But you know at the end of that, you really can say, Lord, yeah. That was amazing what you did 
not only in my life, but in somebody else's life, my spouse's life, my kid's life, the, the, the high school teacher that saw me do it, everything. Great and marvelous are your works, O Lord. Again, because we are made in the image of God, we can relate to God's thoughts, but oftentimes we cannot master them. That's where the Holy Spirit comes in and helps us. Again, he says, my ways are not your ways. God doesn't act the way that we do. He does things in his way, in his timing. But let me just finish the rest of this chapter. It says, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours. That means I'm thinking way above you and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down in the snow from heaven and they do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth the bud that it might give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing in which I sent it. It is God's word. You ever wondered where that verse was? It won't return void. It's right here in Isaiah 55, 11. But he doesn't end, he doesn't end there. He says, for you shall go forth with joy, and be led out with peace. And the mountains and the hills shall bring, break forth in singing before you. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. <laughs> instead of the thorn shall come upon the cedar tree. And instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. See, we're in the Bible. Myrtle Beach right here. And it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. What's the cut off? Listen, guys, he's talking about Israel. Israel will not be cut off. No matter what the UN wants to think it's going to do, it won't accomplish that goal. Let's go back to Revelation. So in verse 3, again, he says, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? Now, that is a question that they are posing in the song. But as we'll get to the last or the next chapter, they do. They do not fear the Lord, and they reject that message of love. He says, they say, for you alone are holy, for all the nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been revealed. Now, verse 4, the end of verse 4, that's talking about when Jesus is ruling and reigning, all of the nations of the earth will come and they will give tribute to Jesus. They will come and hear the mess. By the way, and I'm just going to do this first. Who wants to hear Jesus teach? Are you kidding me? Like, hear him. What is he going to teach on in the thousand-year reign? Is he going to bring up Old Testament, show us Job? And Job's like, yeah, uh, I didn't know all of that was going on. Uh, I wish I would have known that chapter 1 and 2 before. 
Is he going to bring people up? Is he going to be, what is he going to declare to us? The Bible says, for the eons, the generations, we will continue to learn about who he is. How cool is it to hear Jesus teach? Listen, I'm thankful that you come week in and week out, but I am no Jesus. And my kids are like, yep. (laughs) No Jesus. Imagine sitting before Christ. Is your heart just melting? (laughs) Your mind blown. They'll come and worship before him because your judgments have been revealed. Now, after these things, I looked and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony of heaven was open, just open so John could see and declare. And out of the temple came seven angels having seven plagues, clothed in pure bright linen, and having on their chest girded with golden bands. So these angels now come forth, and it would seem that they have been in reserved, probably from uh, creation. Like, I'm going to set you seven apart. Remember the four angels that held the four winds of the earth? We got to that uh, uh, chapters ago. Those guys were probably set apart. Gabriel, Michael, they all have specific roles and duties inside of the kingdom. And these seven now come forward. How wonderful it is to see these four now come forward who will pour out God's final complete wrath. Verse 7 says, Then one of the four living creatures came to the seven angels I'm sorry, gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls, or your Bible might say vials, that's in the King James, of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. Pause. Now, that's the second time we're talking about the wrath. Now, people have a real problem with the wrath of God. They don't like that. They don't like churches teaching about the wrath of God. They would rather just me talk to you about that, you know, the Jesus and the lamb portion, right? The gentle, meek, and mild Jesus with the 12 (laughs) apostles going around teaching. Never go outside of the New Testament. Never go to the Old Testament to show the complete nature of God. Jesus said, the volume of the book speaks of me. Does anybody know what that means? That means inside of the Old Testament is revealed Jesus. And churches miss huge opportunities when they don't study Leviticus. No, I'm serious. Or Exodus. Or Song of Solomon. Or Psalms, as we are. That's why every time we're going into a new book, I ask people, how many of you have gone through this book? Do you know what it was in the book of Psalm? Uh, Tom, what did we have, like three or five people that had gone through the book of... Think about that. That's 2021. Churches are not teaching the complete word of God. This is God's word, and it is God's declaration to mankind. And if you really want to know who he is, it takes you 66 books to get through it. And we take you through it. And you know what I love about it? We say it all the time. At some point, we will hit your sin. It may take a while, but we will get to it. We will get to that topic. Pat was saying that a couple of weeks ago, which is good. We 
reminder of people of that, right? We don't pass the plate. We have boxes. And when we, we don't talk about tithing unless it comes up in our scripture. Well, couldn't that help the, hurt the bottom line? Ask Tom and Bill. No, it doesn't. Because we let God do that work. We let you be beholden to Jesus with that. So these four living creatures, they pour out the wrath of God. Guys, there's the wrath of God and the love of God. Jesus is the Lamb of God, but he is also the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And the Lion is about to roar. And when the lion comes, <laughs> there's no cute Jesus lamb anymore. It's the lion. The lion is coming to judge. Lastly, in verse 8, then we'll get into communion. The temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. Note with me that no one now was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were complete. It, it declares that the judgment is now irreversible. When it means the temple is shut, that means the access to the temple until it's all done, which means once it starts, when you get into the next chapter, read ahead into chapter 16, but when that starts, no one will be able to stop it. And we'll get into this next week about it, because it describes such, um, I mean, just worldwide uh, catastrophe that it's at the end of the tribulation and mankind only has a little time left. So when those angels start pouring out their bowls of wrath, that is the complete wrath of God and it cannot be turned, which means it's coming. So what does that declare to us today? Get right or get left. Get saved now. I don't know where you are. Have you been playing church? Stop it. Knock it off. Stop fooling around all the things that I should say to you. Get right with God. Take it seriously. Read your Bible every day. Pray for your family and friends. If nothing else, COVID has shown us the lunacy that will be wide open soon in the tribulation. And everybody will go down that path. They will be deceived. So, read ahead. <laughs> May have been the shortest message in record on Sunday morning. I'll have to change that for second service. Read ahead next week for chapter 16, and it's going to be a heavy chapter of the, the bowls of God being poured upon. Let's pray, and then we'll have a time of communion. Father, thank you again for your works and your ways. Lord, we often fail to give you thanksgiving and praise daily, hourly, Lord, for all that you've done for us and, Lord, all that you will do. We thank you for the cross and we thank you for your Holy Spirit that gives us power to live this crazy life right now. So many people are deceived, even in the church. Church is going woke and all kinds of nonsense that has nothing to do with the gospel. Lord, let us focus on bringing people to Jesus through the power of your word as it won't return void. So, Lord, thank you for our time in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So, time of communion.
hold on to the cup. Uh, and may, maybe if you haven't been here in a while, our cup, we have two cups. We have the bread on the bottom. And then because if it gets past you, you're like, hey, it's juice, but where's the bread? It's underneath. you got to pull it up. So there's, there's the bread on the bottom and the juice on the top. So hold on to it together, and we'll partake of it together as the body. Let's worship the Lord. I am surrounded on every side. Can't see the light of day. But I am persuaded beyond all hope You won't let go of me I stake my claim on every word you say You will not be late I will sing through fire and thunder Cause you are on my side I trust you with my Oh, God. 